Hey, y'all. Real quick before I hit play on this episode of Familypreneur for you, I want to be sure that you know that I have a brand new podcast available for you to check out. It's called Just Marketing, and you can find it on this podcast platform. Go ahead and search for Just Marketing and hit subscribe so you don't miss anything. Then come back here and listen to this episode of Familypreneur. It'll still be here waiting for you. Welcome to Familypreneur, the podcast for parent entrepreneurs raising kidpreneurs. It's time for your weekly dose of inspiration and actionable tips to build your business and find better balance, all while strengthening your family. And now we'd like to introduce your host. She's my mom and the bomb.com, Meg Brunson. Hello, thank you for joining me again for another episode of Familypreneur. Today's episode is brought to you by my Facebook mentoring program. It is a big opportunity for entrepreneurs looking to make big things happen with Facebook. This is a 90-day program that will be customized precisely to fit your business needs. At the end of that three-month period, you will be equipped to run Facebook ad campaigns that will increase your traffic, increase your leads, and most importantly, generate more revenue for your business. Cha-ching! Due to the level of support I'm providing, this offer is limited and expected to sell out quickly, so act fast. Visit megbrunson.com slash mentor to see if you'd be a good fit. Now for today's guest. She is a success coach and business strategist who helps people create businesses and build a lifestyle that allows them an unimagined sense of freedom, flexibility, and fulfillment. She works individually with a select number of clients to help them reimagine success in their personal and professional lives. She also runs a group program and is working towards writing a new book that will help you take your one step outside the nine to five. Let's give a warm welcome to Anna Lundberg. Hi, Anna. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. So I'm excited to hear more about you and your business. Can you give us a quick rundown of what you do and how you work with your clients? Sure. So I run a company called One Step Outside. So it comes from the quote, everything you've ever wanted is one step outside your comfort zone. Um, And I do a few different things, I guess, under the umbrella. But really, it's about creating a business, but more importantly, a lifestyle that works for you really. So dreaming big, being ambitious and going for those amazing things that you want to do, but also making that work in terms of financials, family, health, and so on. So really um, a balance across the different areas of your life. And I talk a lot about reimagining success. Um, So getting away from, I guess, inherited definitions of what we're supposed to do, um, the kind of good girl expectations that we grew up with, and whether that's expectations as a mother or as a partner, as a business person, as an entrepreneur, whatever, and really defining what that looks like for you and then going out there and getting it. So I do a lot of writing. That's always been a passion of mine. And I work with clients one-on-one. I have a group program now that I launched this year. Um, So that's sort of the different and I speak and so on. So nice blend of different um, activities, but all around this theme of reimagining success. And does that come from personal experiences? What did you do before you launched this business? 
Yes, 100%. So um, I come from a marketing background. I still do continue. So some of my coaching um, is more business mentoring and so on. And a lot of the writing I do is on brand strategy. And um, I I do virtual trainings, in-person workshops and so on still in that area. So I worked at Procter & Gamble, big American um, uh, CPG company, I guess you call them America. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, I did that for seven years. Um, and I loved it. I met the most amazing people. I learned so much. And really that experience opened the doors to everything I'm doing now. Um, but it was never really what I wanted to do. Um, and I think, and I mentioned there, the sort of good girl experience. I think I just kind of had my head down, followed that conveyor belt of not really thinking about what I wanted. And just someone suggested this university, I sort of went there. Someone said, oh, you probably shouldn't study that because it's not good for jobs. I, you know, so I just, all oh, right, I'll do this. I was very easily sort of um, molded along to what I was, I was supposed to do. And that worked because I'm interested in a lot of different things. I've never been one of those people necessarily who had one big passion of what I wanted to do. But I guess in 2013, I woke up to realizing that that wasn't my definition of success, although I didn't uh, couch it in those terms at the time. Um, and, and I still don't really understand how I got the courage to do it. But the first step I did was I took a sabbatical so I took three months off to travel across um, South America. And then halfway through that, I somehow um, sort of did lots of soul searching and I called up my boss and I quit. Um, so since then, I've been trying to ask and answer these questions for myself. And a part of that journey, it's been five years now, has been then certifying as a coach and helping others to do the same. That's amazing. That sounds like it would be such an adventure. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. And adventure is a great word because that really was when I first left. I think I'd been in that comfort zone um, for so long. I'd been really, I think when I was younger, I was a bit of a daredevil. You know, I jumped off the highest um, platform, diving platform, whatever, and I did backpacking and, and all sorts of fun things. And then you just settle into the comfort of that job. And I was living in Geneva in Switzerland such a lovely place. Um, but it really is a bubble. You don't notice, you know, the economic climate in other countries. Um, everyone's very comfortable, high salaries and so on. And it sounds dreamy and it was lovely, but I think I got a bit too comfortable. Um, and I was single and all my friends around me were marrying and settling down in the suburbs and popping out two kids. So for me, there was also a personal dimension to it. Um, and then part of that was me kind of rebelling against that and going out. And I did, I did adventures. I did paddle boarding on the Mississippi. Um, I traveled, you know, all around the world by myself and so on. So that was a big part for me of um, having that immense amount of freedom after being quite sort of restricted, I guess. Although the restriction was down to myself. It's not like anyone else was um, forcing me to stay where I was. So did you experience any negative pushback from your friends or family or any other people close to you when you made those decisions to take the sabbatical and go a different route with your career? Mm. I think the biggest, now thinking about it, the biggest um, critical voice was probably my own. So coming from the rational um, good girl inside of myself saying, no, 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 (laughs) there's no logical reason to quit. You have no um, alternative at the moment. It doesn't sound like the right thing to do. You should do this and that and the other. That was then reinforced by concerns from people around me. Um, And certainly because everybody around me in that bubble in Geneva had a certain type of lifestyle and expectation and job, everyone was in that. So the idea of breaking away from that, even to go on a sabbatical was a big decision that people didn't necessarily understand. Um, I think, uh, you know, what I tell my clients now as well is that these people are all very well intentioned. They're not trying to stop you from doing something. They just care about you and want to see you do well. Certainly your parents, um, you know, just want to make sure that you're okay and that you have money to survive and so on. So I think a lot of it comes from their own experiences as well. 
um, certainly our parents' generations and so on grew up uh, in a different economic climate. Um, but, you know, the work landscape was very different then. Um, and, and that's natural that they won't then necessarily understand the different opportunities and challenges that we face as well. So, yes, definitely there were some voices there and it is difficult when you're starting out and you're not even sure yourself when other people are <laughs> questioning your choices. But, um, you know, that also helps, I guess, to make sure that you're making it for the right reasons. And the fact that I was able to overcome my own and other people's negativity, I guess, shows me that it was the right decision because I was able to, I think the the fear of staying was greater than the fear of the unknown of leaving, which is sort of a tipping point that you have to reach and to break free of that comfort zone again. And how did you know that you had made the right decision? At what point did you were you able to identify like this was the right path to take? Wow, that's such a good question. Um, I think it's been several moments. The first was when I was in South America and I arrived in Quito in Ecuador and I was like, oh my gosh, I've made this decision. I've made this happen. That's hugely empowering to actually take a big decision like that and buy the ticket literally and fly over there. So that was the first step. Um, when I actually called up HR and, and quit and so on, that was tough. I don't think I knew at the time that was the right decision. Um, when I came back from the trip and I came back to the office and people were saying, oh, you must be really sad to be back. I'm like, nope, because I quit. So that was another moment when I felt, yep, definitely made the right decision. But then of course, it's been a roller coaster since then, because you think that's your one big decision. Um, but then you have lots of decisions after that, right? So it's not just that you quit decide to live your best life and ta-da, that's it. Everything falls into place. It's an ongoing, you know, lifelong endeavor, I think. So there have been lots of um, tricky points along the way. And definitely by now I've reached the point where I no longer check any job websites. I never think, what if this doesn't happen? I know it is going to happen. I'll make it happen. It's just a question of what I'm going to focus on when things happen and so on. So that's really nice to, you know, it's been five years now. So I've settled into, well, settled sounds like it's all very smooth. It's still very much, um, you know, happening and evolving and so on. But definitely I have a different mindset now than I did at the time. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that we all realize as an entrepreneur is there's so many pivots, like you're always changing direction, Mm. but still moving forward. It's just, you're pivoting to accommodate changes. Yeah, that's a great word, pivot, and to allow that to happen as well. I think it's dangerous. Sometimes we maybe pivot too much and, you know, we can't quite focus on one thing. You have to do it long enough to see if it is working, if you do enjoy it, rather than giving up too soon. Um, But definitely being sort of flexible enough to be able to listen to uh, the results that you're getting, people responding to you, seeing what you enjoy. That's a long process that doesn't happen overnight. So you help other people, right, go through the same process. You do you work with a lot of people who are currently like employed full time at a typical traditional job? Yeah, so it's interesting in terms of, you know, I should be good at identifying my ideal client as a marketer and a brand builder. I think I, I tend to work with a spectrum of people and they either um, at the beginning of the journey, so they're in the corporate job and they're dreaming of the outside, but then generally that's a place where they're not quite ready to break away. So they might be watching my videos and reading emails and so on, but they're not yet ready. And I certainly don't want to persuade anyone that they should quit. That's not really my job. So um, a lot of people have maybe already had a business idea that they started along the side of their full-time job or um, often they've actually left already. So it might be because um, of being made redundant. Sometimes you're forced into the decision or maybe because you're having children and you decide to work more flexibly um, or they've left for whatever reason and now they're maybe realizing they need a bit of help to to get through that process and, and to build the business and so on. So sort of everything from 
yeah, when they're teetering on that point of just starting the journey towards also more um, advanced businesses that have been working for, you know, a few years and just want to grow the business as well. So what would you say would be like your number one piece of advice, like for an entrepreneur who's looking to take their business to the next step? Well, funnily enough, the answer that comes to mind is to define what success looks like for you. And I keep, you know, hammering this point home, (laughs) but unless, you know, whether it's whether you're quitting your job or starting your business, unless you know what you're aiming for, um, then you can't work a plan together. It doesn't matter how much help I give you. And even if you achieve a particular goal, if that's not meaningful to you, then it doesn't matter. So you might think that you want a particular thing. Um, you want a million dollars or whatever your sort of superficial goal has to be. Um, if you don't really, if you haven't really thought through, okay, this is how that's going to feel. This is how that will affect my family and so on. Then, then that goal is meaningless, even if I could help you reach that goal. Right. So I think it's always taking a step back, understanding um, what you want. And I love what you say. I was looking at your website again today in terms of integrating the business with your family and so on, because that's exactly it. And whenever you're setting goals, it has to be a holistic goal that works you know, my business, I was literally just drawing up a business plan template today. And I've included, you know, thinking about what success means for you and your family, because that's critical to having a thriving business. Um, And I think more and more people are beginning to realize whether it's in corporate jobs that they're thinking about work-life balance and wellness and so on. And or certainly as entrepreneurs, really thinking about what kind of business do you want to have? Do you want to be just you? Um, do you want a team? Do you want to be location independent? Do you want you know to work from home? Do you want to be part of a community? Um, whatever it is, but all those logistical things really are incredibly important to to thriving. In fact, I was talking to someone the other day who was saying, you know, the job itself is pretty meaningless. <laughs> we were saying a little bit critically perhaps, um, but actually he loves everything else about it. So he loves the people he works with, the culture, um, you know, the, the commute and the environment and so on. And those things are really important. So in the same way as an entrepreneur, I think, you know, the, the lifestyle around it is as important almost as the work that you're doing. And you said that you worked, um, you enjoy or you really like working with parents who are or adults who are planning parenthood. So haven't had kids yet, but are kind of on that track, right? Well, I think that's, I guess, from an ideal world, although when is there ever an ideal world? But in theory, (laughs) and that's certainly the position I find myself in. So I don't have children, full disclosure, but it's certainly a possibility in the very near future. Um, And I work with people who have children. And my feeling is that working for yourself, and I think you'd agree, um, is a great way of being able to have control over your time, um, involve your family, balance things and so on. So I think it's um, on paper, entrepreneurship is ideal for having a family. I think the reality is, and whether you have a family or not, we tend to create, recreate the cage for ourselves again. I see a lot of people, you know, leaving the corporate pressure world and so on. And then we push ourselves as much in our own businesses. Um, And it's again, remembering why we're doing it. So if you've quit your job to have your own business in order to spend more time with your family, it's important that you build that into, again, your business, because otherwise you're just in the exact same place you were before, probably in a worse position because you're struggling and you're working longer hours, in fact, than before. So, um, so yes, in theory, I think ideally we'd have something up and running before, but, you know, again, the ideal situation rarely comes along. So I think we, the point is that we manage with what we have and within the parameters of our particular situation. And I think it all ties in. I, I always think about um, the 
most common thing I hear is it's like timing's not right. It's not the right time. Mm. But like, it's never the right time. It's never the right time to have kids. Like if you wait until you're ready, you'll be waiting forever because it's never the right time to have kids. It's never the right time to start a job. It's never, you know, like that's the, the ultimate fallback. I feel like for everything. It's so true. It's such a great um, example there, the parallel. You're absolutely right. It's never the right time. Absolutely. And I think that's a sort of procrastination tactic in a way that you say, oh, I'll do it when. So, okay, I'll start a business when I've had my children or, oh no, now I'll start when they're at college or, you know, you just postpone it, postpone it or vice versa. Okay, first I'll do my business, then I'll have children. Either way, it's, you know, you can't think in those terms. I think you have to work um, around the reality. And I think usually when you're doing that, there's something else going on. So either again, you don't know what you actually want, um, or, you know, there's some fears or beliefs going on that's stopping you from, from doing it. I think that procrastination of I'll do it when is quite dangerous, isn't it? Cause I think even when that happens, you probably won't be any further along than you were today. Any change is scary. I mean, and you mentioned fear. I mean, are there any tips that you have for getting over that fear? Cause I think you have to, like you have to power through the fear in order to start the change happening yeah I think facing the fear that sounds obvious but you know rather than just let it be this kind of vague monster in the back of your head a dark cloud hovering over you understand what the fear is and often the fear is fear of failure fear of looking foolish making the wrong choice making mistakes but then what exactly does that mean what does failure mean and we talk a lot about entrepreneurs having to fail and we were talking about pivoting and learning. Um, and again, it comes down to your definition of success because if your de- definition of success is having a high powered job with, you know, prestigious uh, title and salary and all these things. And of course, quitting that job is a failure. Um, likewise, if your definition of success is to be the perfect mum, um, I was listening to one of your podcast episodes was with Jaylene, who was talking about, you know, um, having the perfect laundry basket, whatever is not part of my success, which I loved. So I think, you know, if that is your success, if everything has to be perfectly folded, the children perfectly clean, um, whatever it is, you know, your business, uh, seven figure business and blah, blah, blah. Fine. If that is your definition. But for most of us, I think that's, you know, we have a simpler version we want our kids to be happy we want ourselves to be happy we want to be happy and healthy basically you know there's some pretty simple needs and desires that we have and I think it's important to remember that as well that um we don't all strive for whatever that goal is that we've seen maybe on social media these days obviously we see these shiny projections of what we're supposed to be working towards and and that's quite dangerous social media is the worst because you only see what people want you to see you see an amalgamation of everyone's best self. So you see there's always someone who's getting engaged with a beautiful ring, someone having a beautiful wedding, someone having their first child, someone on a family holiday, someone um, getting a promotion, someone building a business, launching a book. And if you add all those puzzle pieces together, the expectation for you is to do all those things. So to have the perfect marriage and children and um, family life and work and business and books. And that's just, you know, that's a huge amount of pressure to put on yourself. And I think as much as, you know, some of us think we can, you know, these alpha types and we think that we're incredibly capable and we are, I'm sure. But I think, you know, the sacrifices you need to make in order to get there, I think are <laughs> are quite large. I, I agree with you. So let me know where can our listeners find more about you? 
So I'm really one step outside everywhere. I think that's easier than my name. Although if you Google Anna Lindberg, you should hopefully get me these days. It's a really common name in Sweden. So there's lots of other journalists and scientists and things, but I think I now earn the search space. Um, but onestepoutside.com and um, One Step Outside Facebook page and group as well. That's the best place. That's great. Thank you so much. This has been, I, I really enjoyed listening to your journey. And I think the sabbatical thing is so cool. That's one of those things I have always heard about. Um, but never really knew how to do. And it'll probably be one of those regrets I have. Maybe maybe someday. Um. <laughs> but, uh, but the one thing I'd say there is for me, that was sort of, and the other part of what I talk about is the one step. And it's not, it sounds like a big leap, but for me, you know, I didn't quit right away. I took a little bit of time off and then I quit. And I didn't go full on entrepreneur everything I'm doing now. I hadn't heard of podcasts and Facebook Live and all these things didn't even exist at the time. Initially, I did some consulting work, which was very close to what I was doing then. And then I took another step and another step. And it's just, you know, um, taking those little steps. And what I would say to end with as well is self-compassion has become a huge value for me, Um, especially for parents. You know, you have so much going on. And yes, we have all these ambitions and to-do lists and things, but really taking care of yourself and being okay with things not going exactly as they you thought they would, you know, just allowing the messiness to be there, I think is so important. And especially for, again, these kind of good girls and ambitious women in particular who have such high expectations of ourselves. I think self-care and self-compassion, I've realized recently, are incredibly important for us all. And I agree with you. That's definitely something I've been making a conscious effort to work harder at is building in that time for self-care. It's hard when you're a parent. Sometimes you think you don't even really want to. Like if you've got an extra $100, you'd rather spend it on your kids and like see the happiness in their faces. And, you know, but they're happy with that, with or without those additional things. And it's like being on the airplane, right? Like you have to take care of yourself before you can take care of other people. I was just about to say, put your own oxygen mask on. Absolutely. Right. I absolutely love that quote. And I, I, when I say that to people, it does tend to click. And I think hopefully people realize you can't just keep going. A lot of people I've worked with have reached burnout. Um, you know, you'll, you'll keep going until you break down. I think it's much better if you can, you know, ideally before you see any warning signs, but certainly within, again, the parameters of your situation, because I know, you know, we all have things going on and so on, but do realize that that's absolutely so important. And if you're not sleeping and eating and exercising and all these things we know we should do, that's not going to help your, your kids either or your partners. So definitely put your own mask on first. Good, uh, good point to end on, I think. <laughs> Yes. Thanks again so much. I'll put the links so that people can find you in the show notes. And again, I just want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to to chat with us today. Oh, thanks so much, Meg. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thanks. You'll find this week's show notes and all the links mentioned in this week's episode at megbrunson.com slash 26. Last week, I welcomed business partners Anna Lozano and Lindy Sud to the show to discuss their business, Love Powered Co., and their empowering affirmation cards made especially for the next generation of mindful leaders. Next week, we'll meet Dina Patton, founder of the Girls Rule Foundation and an award-winning business coach, speaker, activist, philanthropist, and best-selling author who works with leaders, women entrepreneurs, and world changers. Dina deeply believes in the power of big dreams, philanthropy, greatness, and entrepreneurship. And her mission is to ignite greatness in women, girls, and leaders worldwide. You don't want to miss that value-packed episode, so double-check and ensure that you're subscribed to the podcast today. 
Thank you so much, guys. I will see you next week. Don't miss my mom's next episode. Bye.